Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Oh, there's a camera right here. <laughs> I'm Birds 365, the Magamac guys, ready to hang with you. How the heck are you? A uh, quickie note for those of you watching us at home, and that would be uh, John McMullen and Jody McDonald, your Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys. If you're watching us and you haven't left the house yet, more power to you. You're getting a little bit of a later start, or uh, you're always watching us from home. If you haven't gone outside yet, it's already pea soup. Oh, Johnny yeah. Mac, have you been outside with the dog yet today? Oh, it's brutal. Not only that, I got to fill up the watering can. My wife likes to do the flowers. I got I got a whole thing in the morning, Jody. Really? I get to. It's recycling day where I live. I got to get that out. It is. It is awful. It is just soup. You're right. It is soup out. So I, stay I put, cold, people. I put the recycles out last night. And not because I knew it was going to be pea soup when I got up in the morning, but I did get that done ahead of time. But man, I opened up that door and I couldn't get back inside into the air conditioning fast enough. It is thick out there. I don't know if it's going to be 100 degrees, but it is humid as all get out. So I got a better idea for you. Stay home. Keep the AC cranked. And keep yeah. watching Birds 365 for your Mac and Mac. Well, you got, I don't know if it's going to hit it 100, but I guarantee this, Jody, the real feel, as the weather people say, is going to be well over 100. And I keep thinking that. I got to get a weather person for the season. You know, we got to get a weather Our person. Our weather person? Yeah, we got to get a weather person. I love meteorologists. I love them. Who do you do want? You? Kathy Orr? Who, who, uh, Kate Byla? What do, what are you a fan of, Jody? I'm not a fan. Not a, and, not a, not a weather. And fan. oh, by the way, the weather people hate me. Um, the only one oh, I ever got along them? with, you the only them? guy I ever got along with was uh, Belarus, who was pretty of good. Of course, with Johnny John Belarus. How'd that storm go, John? Now we'll try to get John on. John's a great guy. He is storm a good the, dude. Storm and, of the uh, century. He would uh, hop on the show every once. In a while. Just call in uh, and uh, uh, shoot the breeze and debate a topic or whatever. And he and I got along. And the rest of them just hate me because I point out all the time that they're wrong. They're wrong yeah. a lot. Now, yeah. I always cover myself by going, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm wrong a lot, too. 
if you're going yeah. to be in a business where you've got to give your opinion, well, you got to project. Yes. I get predictions wrong all the time, and people bring it up. And by the way, when I get it right, they don't care. They yeah. never bring it up. Same as weather people. So I feel kind of a kinship with weather people. Yeah, they don't appeal to kinship with me because I point it out when I'm wrong because I'm always ticked off when it's not supposed to snow and it snows and when it's supposed to snow and it doesn't snow. Yeah, I take it out on the weather people and go, why did I go out and buy all that crap if it's not going to snow? You said it was going to snow. Oh, and then it doesn't snow and I point yeah, it out. Come on. Um, you got the European model. You got the, the South Jersey model. <laughs> I'm making it all up. You you sound like you understand what you're talking about. I got no bloody idea. Here's what I know. Get it right. That's all I care about. I don't care how you get it right. Tea leaves, crystal ball, uh, European model. I don't care. I'd like to know a European model, but that's a whole nother story. Um, I don't care. Just get it right. That's all that matters. And we'll try and get right for the next uh, couple hours here. We'll have a helping hand. Uh, we've got our buddy from the middle, Barry Brooks, going to join us in less than 20 minutes. And in an hour number two, Kim Jones of the NFL Network and WFAN in New York is going to hop aboard. So we did get two good guests logged for a football Friday. And that's exactly what it is, a football Friday. On a football Thursday, John McMillan, uh, always good, sent me a link uh, to, I guess it was leading off, what the hell is... Uh, Greenberg show on uh, First Take on ESPN. It's a good uh, question. Uh, get up, maybe. Get is up. There it, it is. There. Yeah. Oh, I'm on. I'm on with you there's, now in the morning. So I'm yeah, not. Yeah, there's so you. many. I mean, you can't keep them straight from the number perspective, anyway. I mean, I, you know, who cares? Greenberg uh, show. Say Greenberg yeah. show. I, I'm not watching it anymore because I'm here with you in the morning. So I'm sorry. I apologize for getting the name wrong. But uh, our buddy Mike Tannenbaum, who uh, we had on the show previously. Yesterday went back down the Deshaun Watson to the Eagles route. And you and I have been talking about this basically How long, since the Joey? show started. When, Everybody's when we in their own food. little bubble. I'm not, I'm not naming names. Everybody's in their own little bubble. Adam Schefter says this. Mike Tannenbaum says this. We had him on the stinking show six weeks ago talking about this. Right. Nothing's changed. There's no new news. Uh, but the Eagles have interest in Deshaun Watson. That's that's you know that's clear. That is an open secret in the NFL. It's been that way for a long time now. But as we've tried to couch on this show many times, look, nobody knows what's going to happen. It's uncertainty. He's probably more likely. I would put the number at well over 90 percent. He's not even going to play this year. And then it becomes the bigger conversation next you, you year. Think it's, you think it's 90% he plays zero games? Yeah, because I don't think the legal stuff is going to get cleared up. Uh, so I think he's going on to commissioners. We're talking about predictions and weather models. Here's my European model for Deshaun Watson. I think he's going to get be put on the commissioner's exempt list on, on July 27th. You know, he's going to get paid for the entire season, essentially, to sit while the legal wrangling goes back and forth. At some point, I think things are going to be cleared up, whether positively or negatively, and then everything's opened up next offseason, and hopefully we're still here to talk about it. That's my European model prediction. Now, that's worth about as much as the European model prediction. I'll also say that. If I, I don't know what's going on. I hear from Tony Busby every once in a while. I get a, a statement, or right. I hear from Rusty Harden. I get a statement. 
The NFL's investigating, but they haven't talked to Deshaun Watson, to my knowledge. Um, who knows when it's going to end? But when it ends, the Eagles are going to be in. And I've been saying this. How many people have I asked this question, Jody? Can Jalen Hurts do anything to win this job long right. term? Oh, you've been you've been hammering that question yeah. over the last six eight weeks. Every single time we're on the show. And by the way, uh, I kind of laid it out there that I have issues and problems with whether people. Same thing with attorneys, and it's the same exact uh, comparison. Well, nobody likes. And you need weather people to tell you whether it's going to snow or rain or whatever else. When you need an attorney, he's the best person on the face of the earth. But if you don't need an attorney, you can poke fun at them the whole time. And let me poke fun at the two attorneys that you've already named today. I don't trust either one of them. <laughs> when I see a, clip, or a clip from either the representative of uh, Deshaun Watson or the representatives of plaintiffs in this case, I just immediately put the BS meter on it. It's a given. Before I don't believe it. Whatever they said, I don't believe it. I, I read what they say and then try and see how the exact opposite fits and or makes sense because I think their job, number one, is to lie to people ahead of time. So yeah. Yeah, you and I will never know until we actually get a resolution that a resolution is coming. When it hits, I think it'll kind of be well, out of left field. It's interesting because what happened this week in uh, a realm outside sports, actually it includes sports because it involved Nike. You remember Michael Avenatti? You know, he was going to run for president. You know, the lawyer who got uh, indicted for fraud, now sentenced, now in federal prison. <laughs> he was going to run for president. Everybody loved this guy because he's got the silver tongue. Uh, he didn't like, you know, a certain someone that we shall not name that a lot of people don't like. And they're saying he's going to run for president. He's such an attractive guy. He's such a well speaker. Behind the scenes, he's taking advantage of his clients. He's, he's trying to bilk Nike out of millions of dollars. There's your perfect example of don't trust a lawyer. Hey, don't. we have lawyers, Dan Lust, on the show. I love you. Trust Dan Lust. Um, everybody else, eh, you know, if you need a lawyer, they're the best, best people in the world. Oh, yeah, you got to have But they're lobbyists, Jody. They're lobbying for their clients and occasionally trying to steal money from Nike. No, and that, that that will catch up you with you at some point. All right, speaking of uh, catching up, uh, let's catch up with Deshaun Watson where he's at. You say 90% he's not going to play, uh, and I think you have as good a grasp on it as anybody. If that's the case, how does this proceed? Will the Eagles just stay in contact? And that's what bothers me about all the stuff that's been reported in the last. We'll go weak. It can be even further than that. There is no new news. It's basically the same thing that has been stated since April, that if, 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 let me repeat that one more time, if the Texans start to uh, receive offers for uh, Deshaun Watson, if there's something that changes the narrative as it is right now, which is the holding mode that we're all in, those things all need to be answered first before we figure out if, the Eagles or anybody else has the kind of package that the Texans will take in change for Deshaun Watson. If we never get there, what did the Eagles do? Do they just keep asking? Do they let the Mike Tannenbaums and uh, Adam Schefters of the world uh, just continue to put stuff out there? That, oh, if it happens, if they, if it ever becomes about Eagles make more sense than anybody else. Do they want to stoke the, the fire and stir the pot or do the Eagles prefer to back off the stage and go, hey, 
McMullen said it's 90%. He's not going to play this year. So why don't we turn all, all our attention to Jalen Hurts and what he can do right for this football team? Yeah, I mean, I, I think what you're asking is, are the Eagles creating this buzz? I don't think the Eagles are creating this buzz. You know, Adam Schefter is giving his opinion on, on a radio show, and his opinion is, you know, gained from guys like Mike Tannenbaum used to be as a GM in this league. Uh, uh, you know, that's where he's getting his information. Those people all know the Eagles are interested. That's the open secret. And that's what everybody's been talking about for six or eight weeks. I should have I should have brought up our buddy John McClain. Nobody's closer to the Houston Texans than John McClain. We have John on the show. Yep. Look, John has already reported numerous times that Texans are now trading to Sean Watson. That I mean, that part of it, they know they have to move on. They know it's over. Um, so again, the only thing we're talking about is timing. And then you start to put the tea leaves together. Then people start, okay, the Eagles have the three first-round picks. And that's where this is all coming from, coupled with we know there's interest. So people are saying they have more to offer than anybody else, which I don't think is necessarily true. I put this on, on the show yesterday, but i also been talking about it for weeks. People think only in terms of draft picks. It could be something else. It might be something else. I go to Washington and I say Chase Young. What if they offer future first-round picks and they put Chase Young on it as a topper? Well, all of a sudden, that looks pretty stinking good, Jody. Uh, one of the best, already one of the best, certainly one of the best young defenders on a cost-effective rookie deal, even though he's a high pick. You know how that goes. Um yeah, I mean, people got to think outside the box. There is going to be historic interest in Deshaun Watson. And I know a lot of people don't believe that. A couple of my report, reporter friends contacted me yesterday, and they said, me too, the Eagles can't do this, the Eagles can't do that. So now we're doing this sliding scale. I've always said about Jeffrey Lurie, he believes in second chances. I don't think there is a sliding scale with him. So you can talk about racism, you know, people saying the N-word. You can talk about anti-Semitism and what happened with Deshaun Jackson. You can talk about animal rights, which is close to me and Mike Vick. What are you going to say? Oh, we draw the line here? I, 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 you know, God bless you if that's how you do a moral litmus test. I don't know what's better, what's worse. You know, those people can tell me. All I know is Jeffrey Lurie's history says he will give people a second chance. I don't think that will be a deal breaker. I'll just say that. And then you get criticized. Oh, you're defending. I'm not defending Deshaun Jackson. No. He's got he's got some serious thinking problems if these allegations are true. I've said that from the start. I said number one, Jody. There's 22 different uh, I think civil allegations. I think the the you know. From the league, we he's had 40. Who's got 40 masseuses? That's the first thing I said. You know, you might find one if you live in Houston. You might find another one if you have an off-season home. You might have a couple, you know, you can't get one of your regular you ones on the road. Everybody's yeah. got backups, John. You got to have yeah. your backup masseuse. If you 40. don't have your backup masseuse, what really are you? 40 is impressive depth, I would say, Jody. Impressive depth. So, I mean. Very true. Yeah. I'm not I'm not defending the guy. I'm just I'm just telling you that's Jeffrey Lurie's history. And by the way, I applaud him for that. I kill Jeffrey Lurie a lot. 
That's his belief. If you believe in second chances, I've said the same thing with Jerry Jones. I constantly make the Jerry Jones, Jeffrey Lurie comparisons because I think the two are incredibly alike, not from personality, but how they run their football teams. And Jerry Jones believes in second chances. You either do or you don't. And oh, I, by the I, way, I, I think that's impressive, at least from the standpoint of, you know, holding a so-called moral compass. I can't grade these issues. Other people can. In that uh, forum, um, then it's only a matter of days before Richard Sherman signs. Because did you see the video of him trying to break into his in-law's house? I did. Man, I, I mentioned at the top that, yes, we have a, a camera here on Birds 365 that's shooting both. We have two, one at McMullen's house, one at McDonald's house. Uh, they have one at uh, Richard Sherman's in-law's house as well. <laughs> on their, I guess, doorbell. They got that door cam thing going. Man, they caught him trying to pound his way into the house the other day. He's in trouble. He's going to get in trouble. Now, I don't know if it's something that he could do jail time for. He did do like 24 hours in jail because they didn't let him out immediately. Didn't get bail. Had to go to court. Uh, is now out on bail after he was uh, arraigned by the judge. But that was some really bad video. Apparently, he got in a skirmish with the fight, and he got arrest, uh, resisting arrest, too. Richard Sherman is still one of those names floating out there, John. If you're talking about a guy who's been a starting cornerback in the league, and Eagles still need a starting cornerback, we can line up the reasons why he's not going to come here. West Coast guys, never played in the East Coast, and uh, is a different kind of thinker, and he's got some issues. That's before the issues that just came flying out of nowhere, no, no, uh, nowhere this past week. Um, he's still a guy who can flat out play, and if you're going to point out that Jeffrey Laurie is unafraid to give guys a second chance, I think Richard Sherman is on about his eighth or ninth chance, but why not Richard Sherman coming east to play for the Eagles? Well, I don't think it was a fit before this, so I, I don't think it's a fit uh, for other reasons before this ever happened. Uh, so I do think he would give him a second chance if, you know, we go through the process, he gets suspended, say, let's say there's no consistency in the NFL, but for argument's sake, let's say six games. Uh, then I think the visit, the Eagles would revisit it and say, you know, you said nine chances for No, He's never been in trouble before. Serious trouble. Um, I, I I think he would give him a second chance. I've always said Richard Sherman, A, I think he's got to handle his um, – I think he's got some issues. Obviously, was, you know, there are claims that he was trying to commit suicide. We'll, we'll see how everything shakes out. So I think he's got to get right from a, a, a mental standpoint first. He's a West Coast guy. I don't think he wants to come to the East Coast, uh, number one. Um, so I didn't think he was a fit beforehand. But just from a second chance perspective – if he goes through the process, I think Jeffrey Lurie would give him a second chance. He's also old, though, as a football player. And we also have to bring in, you know, Andrew Brandt's talent versus tolerance, you know, equation. If Richard Sherman was 25, eh, yeah, I guarantee he'd give him a second chance. <laughs> I, I guarantee it. Uh, Richard Sherman at whatever he is now, 33, I'm going to guess, just off the top of my head, That's that's a little bit different. Here's the reason why uh, there's, there's a bunch of reasons why Richard Sherman isn't going to fit here. And I would bet good money against him being here. But you just kind of touched on it just a second ago. I, I believe there will be action taken against him 
by the NFL. I think he's looking at a suspension. And even though I think Richard Sherman would be really good here, his talent and skill set, while not what it was at its highest heights, is still much better than any other cornerback oh, the Eagles yeah. have, not named Darius Slay. And I think he'd fit into the type of defense they're going to play. According to, oh, who was it again? Bob Groats, um, who said with us here a month ago or so, there's a chance the Eagles could be 0-9, which is where Groats went. <laughs> you need to be uh, putting Richard Sherman in uh, week seven to an 0-6 football team? That oh, would yeah. be a complete and total waste. The yeah. only reason why you're getting Richard Sherman is because, yeah, you actually think you could win games and, Oh my God, they get some breaks. And here we are, week 17. The Eagles are seven, eight, and or let's see, I got to do the math. If it's week six, that means they played 15 games. Seven and eight going into the last two weeks of the season, as are the Washington football team. And the Cowboys are six and nine. And oh my God, the division's up for grabs with everybody under 500. Exactly the same way it was in 2020. Then you've got a reason to have Richard Sherman. He could be the difference between winning the division, making the playoffs, and not. Well, if you're already 0-6, you're, you're hoping that getting Richard Sherman week one keep you from getting to 0-6. That you're going to win some games early in the season because of that. Yeah, it just doesn't add up. He, he basically, the percentage chance of him coming to the Eagles was 3% before uh, – the issues that he had this weekend. Now, if you factor in the fact that he's probably going to be suspended for the start of this year, that drops it down to like 0.6. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, you're you're kind. I had it at 0% before. Can we go negative from 0%? Is that possible? You, uh, yeah, he wasn't. Cold, cold zero, huh? Yeah, he wasn't coming here. He, he didn't want to come here. First, you know, the West Coast thing is number one. But what you brought up, brought up as well, I should have brought that up, so I applaud you for that. The Eagles aren't a contender. He doesn't want any part of that. I mean, he he, he was just even before the issues, he was not in the conversation. I'm, and that's from his perspective. He'd be a perfect fit for what the Eagles are trying to do. One of the greatest zone corners of all time. I think we're going to have Barrett Brooks on in a second. He'll probably tell you the same thing. He just he's not coming at thirty three years old. And again, this is before the issues. He's not coming here. Right. But if Jeff Laurie is Father Flanagan and he lets uh, wayward individuals join his band of <laughs> merry eagles, blood. well, then he, he, Richard Sherman might not have all that many options. And well, if he we've got one football, in North Texas. They need cornerbacks too, and Jerry Jones is the same way. And they're, they're a contender because they're the Cowboys. He is John McMullen. I am Jody McDonald. We are the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Oh, we're going to get another Jacob Media YouTube channel up next. We're coming straight to us from the middle. Your buddy and mine, Barrett Brooks, joins us. Please stay with us. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day. As long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. 
Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. You got your Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald, here with you on Birds 365, and let's bring... Another member of the family in from the Jacob Media YouTube channel, hanging in the middle with Aitan Shander and Harry Mays. And I'm not sure if he's trying to tell us he could have been a Tampa Bay Buccaneer in the mid-80s or that he missed out on being a volunteer of Kentucky. But he's got some real bright orange on, folks. you got to appreciate that. Set set your uh, TVs now to that color. Barrett Brooks joins us here on uh, Birds 365. How are you, Big B? Good, good. Good morning. Good morning. How's it going, man? Uh, good, Barrett. Good to see you. We got a lot to get to with you. I think I'm going to start with, with Nick Sirianni because okay. you were watching the show, which, by the way, thank you, the other day, and you, <laughs> you commented. So there is a little bit of this back and forth where Lane Johnson saying, oh, this guy's great, Jason Kelsey, some of the leaders of this team, and then it came out that Michael Robinson – who's an ex-NFL player, obviously former Penn State quarterback for people that remember him, um, said, hey, there's some guys who, you know, don't think Nick Sirianni's all that, at least from the perspective. I pointed out there's 90 guys in that locker room this time of year, Barrett. Uh, Not everybody gets along, and you kind of agreed with it, so 
thanks again, the hat tip there, but kind of tell us that it, it's impossible to have 90 people on the same page. There's nothing wrong with somebody questioning or am I off base there? No question. I mean, and you got 90 different personalities. Um, everybody's not going to like everyone. You have clicks on teams, you know. Uh, you look at what just happened with the with the Eagles, with, with you know, they're letting their franchise quarterback go. I mean, not everybody's going to get along with their coworkers. It's just like any other dynamic that you have at the workplace. You have guys that like to, to want to go over there and, 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 and chill with each other. You know, the offensive line, one of the biggest clicks in the, in the world. The offensive line are just almost, you know, more times than not, you know, don't deal with anybody else but the offensive line. You know, they just, you know, that's just how we're, we're molded. That's just how our thought process is to us. You know, yes, it's the team and, 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 and you know, it's us against the world. But an offensive line is a lot different even, you know, on teams. I can remember being with the Steelers when we were in our huddle. You know, sometimes the little DB, I mean, the little uh, wide receivers or running backs will try to run through the line trying to get to their place in the huddle. And on our Steelers offensive line, no, you have to walk around. <laughs> you cannot go through our line. We just feel as though you just can't do it. So you're going to have those type of – you know, uh, you know, I had a type of mixture as far as personalities on the team. Some guys just don't get along with anybody. You know, I mean, in, for instance, Carson. Carson's one of those guys, you know, they, they, they call him a Bible beater. Let's say what you want to say with that. But he just he just doesn't mix with guys that don't think like he thinks. You know, he, he loves the Lord. Um, everything he does is is, is, is is geared towards making sure that everybody knows his faith. Well, a lot of guys don't deal with that. I mean, what if you have a different – what if you have a different um you're looking at a different guy that has a different religion? What if, if it's somebody's, you know, that's Muslim or Jewish, you know, or I mean, there's so many different personalities, mm -hmm. so many different, you know, things in which you have to still come together and be a team. And that's what it is. Now, as far as the head coach, a lot of times I didn't like my bosses. You know what I mean? I mean, sometimes your bosses aren't really cool people, but at the end of the day, you're still their bosses. It doesn't matter if you like them, if you don't like them, you're gonna go out there and get the job done. Like I said before, if you're an older player and you know that this guy can go out and make you a better player, he's going to keep it 100 with you. He's going to shoot you straight. And he's going to make sure that you know that you know he he cares about you as a person. You'll go to the end of the earth for a guy. You know what I'm saying? He, I mean, it, it, it'll be a perfect scenario for you. But there are guys that just, you know, they're independent. They don't want to be coached. They, they feel as though they've done it before and, they, and their results – have have laid it out that they're like that. So, you know, just not going to have everybody be happy in that locker room. It's just impossible. All right, let's double up down that road. Because uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about with John, and as long as we got you here, you add an expertise to it as an ex-NFL player. Play calling. Everyone's got an opinion on Nick Sirianni, and he's had his press gatherings, and he's had his relationships, as short as they may be to this point with his players. Oh, you want to really see Nick Sirianni second guessing? Wait till he starts calling plays, because that's what fans love to do. They are going to sit there. All the fans know exactly what play should have been called every single play and are ready to second guess anybody and everybody, including a Super Bowl winning coach like Doug Peterson. Uh, but he's going to start calling plays at some point, and then we'll really get into the Nick Sirianni under a microscope world. What did you do when you didn't agree with a coach on play calling? Did you just roll your eyes? Did you double down and say, <laughs> I got to pick my coach up? That was a bad play call. I got to be that much better the next play. Did you uh, tap your buddy on the helmet and go, what the hell was that? What, what, what was he calling on? 
How the hell did you handle it when a questionable play call came in and you were told you got to execute this? You know, it, 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 you know, more times than not, it's one of the scenarios where you're like, all right, then we'll just got to make the best of this play. But I was also on a team where we would just change the play. It's just out and out just wouldn't do it. We change the play. <laughs> we go out and run another play. Really depends on who the quarterback was at the time. Um, I, I play on that Bobby Hoying team where we had Dana Bible was our, our offensive coordinator. And a lot of times, you know, it wasn't necessarily Bobby Hoying that would change the play, but Ricky Waters would change the play or, or, oh. you know, somebody, you know, that, 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 you know, was well-respected, like, you know, um, not Irvin Fryer, but he wasn't on the team at that time, but somebody, you know, that really understands the offense would say, Hey, no, we're going to run this. And we would run that play instead of running the play that he had, um, um, they had given to us. And that was just a different dynamic because Dana Bible at that time, he didn't, the players didn't really respect him as a play caller. So they did what they wanted to do. Me as an offensive lineman, I, I just tell him, you tell me to go block, block 322 wide stick. Nah, I'm a block, you know, sprint right option. I'm a block it. When you have <laughs> some guys that'll change it up. Um, I can remember, you know, playing in um, Detroit and Herman Moore, he knew he had a, cornerback that just couldn't couldn't handle he was just too little he he changed the play you know he said hey coach we got to change this play no run the play well charlie batch changed it to the play herman moore wanted got the first down and went on with it it really depends on who the player is and 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 the dynamic of the coaching staff um bobby ross then quit you know two weeks later you know he didn't want to be a coach anymore two weeks later so i've had all kind of different dynamics and, and, and coaching styles and, 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 you know, a lot of people that I played with, you know, have a lot of influence on a team. You know, some players had more influence than coaches on teams. It really just depends on who the guy is or, you know, what the team is. Um, you know, some, some players, you know, could overrule coaches. Um, the, the respect that, you know, that Morningwig had when I was with the Steelers is a lot different than what Bruce Arians had when he was with the Steelers. You know, those two different dynamics, you know. So it really, you know, he, he had a little more juice as an offensive call play caller than Morning Wig at the time. That's when Morning Wig left. So those yeah. are the type of things you got to think about as far as, you know, who the coach is, who the player is, and what we've been doing and the success we're having on the field. Yeah, there's some great Brett Favre stories. He did whatever the hell he wanted. Oh, like no question. With, with Brad Childress. Brad Childress. <laughs> would drive him crazy but he was successful so he could do pretty much whatever he wanted i do want to circle back because i think that's interesting what you said about the steelers offensive line back in the day it's sort of like an nba player you know the bow is blown and somebody throws up a shot and guys will block it they don't want it to go in you guys don't want to let somebody go through you even to get to the huddle you know jalen hurts was pictured today in lane's bro barn so, Jalen, you kind of looked at Carson Wentz, and you're right. I brought up that religion part of it, Barrett. That's a bigger deal than people realize. Absolutely. It, Absolutely. It, you know, religion and politics, it divides people. And it, it was a bigger issue than people realize. But make it make of it what you want, as Barrett said. Jalen Hurts is over there with the offensive line. I say it all the time. Everybody likes the kid. I just said I'm going to contradict myself. Who cares? You can't go 90 for 90. Jalen Hurts might be close. I don't know if he's going 90 for 90, but everybody likes that kid. Um, That's huge. That is huge. Isn't that impressive? 
they're going to fight for you regardless because, you know, I mean, you might not be the most talented guy in the world, but if you have and you've, you, 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 you won over your teammates and they know that you're going to give your all and they'll go out there and, you know, they'll, they'll knock a brick down, a wall down for you. So you're going to get those guys playing and doing that extra to, 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 to make you sure you're successful as a player also. And that's exactly what happened when he did enter the game and they beat the Saints. Everybody was playing at another level because they knew that they had to go out and compensate for his lack of bit, his life experience, um, and it, and they wanted to make sure that he looked good out there. And and and, and that means a lot to a player that you're going to do a little extra to make sure he's successful. And in the same breath, you know that he's going to give you his all, his absolute all, when he's out there on the field. And 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 you'll play for somebody like that. And those guys are going to do the same thing, especially the offensive lines like you just talked about. The receivers are going to, you know, uh, make sure they're going to do a little extra for him simply because they might see that he's inefficient at this. They're going to try to help him do that. Those are all things that your teammates can help you are and make you a lot better than what you really are. And, you know, and, and you know, perfect example, you know, Brady for years had guys that were kind of inefficient in the aspect that they were little um wide receivers but he made that system work because he was so good in understanding what the defense was trying to do to him and made like guys like Wes Welker uh Amendola all these guys very successful and that just comes from guys picking he he picked up his game to make sure their game is adequate enough to win um Super Bowls same thing's going to happen here not the Super Bowl part but you know we'll see about that but the same thing's going to happen here with the Eagles they're going to play a little beyond simply because they love this guy so much and they know he's going to give the same effort. Jalen Hurts at this point is, is is the captain of that ship. And regardless they want to name him a starter or not, the players have spoken. The way they were, which they reacted last year spoke loudly to me because they supported him the way they did. So it, to me, it was never a question of whether he was going to be the starter or not. He's going to be the starter for this team. They're going to rally around him. At the end of the day, if you got 53 guys fighting for the same goal, it's kind of hard to stop them. And I really believe that this team is really behind um, Jalen at this point. Barrett, let me uh, compare two guys who you just mentioned. Completely different, but both will be starting quarterbacks in the NFL this upcoming season, Jalen Hurts and Tom Brady. If Brady is your uh, quintessential pocket guy, which he is, Drop back, get ready, can move in the pocket, but he's not going to take off and run. He's got good quick feet and can slide the pocket, but he's not going to move the pocket. And he's the greatest of all time. Jalen Hurts looked to be a freelancer last year. One of the reasons why he is he's that quick and he can turn it up the field and make a loss into a 20-plus yard game. Which guy would you rather play in front of? Did you like the guy who could get out of the pocket? Maybe you missed the block. Maybe rather than taking a 12-yard sack, he turns it into a 10-yard game. And uh, breaking down the film, they don't notice that Barrett Brooks got eaten up on the play. Or do you like the stay-at-home guy? Because, hey, if I do my job, I'm staying in my lane. The quarterback's staying in his lane. Oh, the play's going to work. And I don't have to worry about him trying to make it up as it goes along. Which did you prefer playing in front of? Stay-at-home, pocket guy, or someone who could and would make it up on the fly? You know what I, I I played, you know, honestly, I played with the, the perfect mix of both of those style of quarterbacks with Ben Roethlisberger. 
He was a pocket passer, but he was big enough and strong enough that he could sit in the pocket. And if you did let somebody go, he can invade him. He was, you know, talented enough that he could evade him and get the ball down the field. You know, he wasn't trying to run for a first down. His eyes were always down the field, but he was in the pocket and he would elongate plays so long. And he was big enough and strong enough that he still had enough to get the ball down the field if he was chased out the pocket. I played with, you know, the, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the world in, in, in Randall Cunningham. There were times where we'd block for five, six seconds and it'd be an incomplete pass or it'd be a sack. But then there was times where the whole offensive line whiffed and we didn't block a soul <laughs> and he'd throw it for 80 yards down the field to Calvin. You know what I mean? It's Calvin Williams. So, you know, it's, it's tough. And at the end of the day, you know, it really depends on circumstances in which, you know, or that are that were in your control, but turned out bad. But then he made you look good. You love both styles. But at the end of the day, I had the perfect mix with with, with Big Ben. You know, he right. was the perfect mix of a quarterback like that where he can get the ball down the field. Plus, he could stay in the pocket. And, you know, I mean, I would equate more so he's more so a, a, a he was if you look at Patrick Mahomes. To me, him and Ben Roethlisberger kind of play the same style. You know, guys that are athletic enough, if they need to push the ball down the field, they could do it even with somebody climbing on their back. But they're not necessarily going to run for a first down. So, that I mean, that's that's kind of what Patrick Mahomes is, and that's how I equated Ben. I think that, you know, if you look at Jalen, Jalen's going to use his legs early. But once he gets used to guys and, you know, the pocket press, pocket presses gets a little better, I think he could potentially be one of those type of guys that's not going to run for first downs, but going to keep his eyes down the field <laughs> and then get the ball to his receiver. All right. We're about 20 minutes in with you, Barrett, and we haven't gotten to this name yet. So we're going to get to this name. We just talked about some of the good with Jalen Hurts, and I've been pretty consistent throughout this offseason. I've asked you. I've asked everybody. Is there anything Jalen Hurts can do to earn this job past 2021 and the reason I ask that is because Deshaun Watson is out there. And it's picking up again. Everybody's been talking about it. It's an open secret around the NFL. I asked Garoppolo, I said, how quickly does Howie pick up the phone if Deshaun Watson is cleared from these allegations? And he said, how quickly does water evaporate? That quickly. Uh, it's an open secret in this league that the Eagles have interest in Deshaun Watson now that Adam Schefter has said it, people seem to take it seriously now, but it's been that way for weeks and weeks and weeks. Can everybody be wrong? Um, at this point, you know, I just can't get past the allegations. I mean, I could see if we were talking about, and not to, you know, downplay what the allegations are, but I could see if we're talking about five or six individuals. We're talking about upwards of over 20 individuals, you know, with 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 you know these these court cases against him, so to me it's kind of hard for me to even think logically that you know he's going to be playing football next year. Period. You know I, I I'm under influence that he's not going to play next year. Period. He won't be allowed to. He's already exempt from the NFL because of these things. So you know until that stuff you know hashes his way out in court, I really don't believe that you know he'll be able to play. You know, um, it's almost like you know what, what AB just went through. I mean, he went through a lot to get to where he was and, and have somebody vouch for him to play this year. And he ended up winning a Super Bowl, you know. Antonio, I mean, he won a Super Bowl. But this, you know, the amount of, you know, allegations that are against him, it's just really stacked up against him. But 
if you look at it, I, I really believe that the Eagles are going to try to trade for him. But I think Hurts is going to be good enough that they might even forget about it a little bit. And, you know, and, and, and you know, it'll be just a whisper that we, we once heard a year ago. I think Jalen's going to go out there and do enough that, you know, if, 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 if Watson is there and he's able to get traded, there's no question he's going to, they're going to trade for him. But I just don't think he'll have the ability to be on the market because of all the allegations that are against him. You went I just to can't an- see it. You went to Antonio Brown, so let me follow up there. Um, there was a reason why he slipped in the draft as late as he did. He's a little undersized, not the biggest guy in the world, but he just made plays. He got open. He caught the football. He turned it upfield. Who the heck cares where he played college ball, what his size was. Let's talk about the numbers on the paper that matter. Receptions, touchdowns, and within a year, you know, damn, this kid can play. Devonta Smith. People question the Slim Reaper, which, oh, by the way, Kevin Durant was the Slim Reaper before uh, right. anybody ever yes, dropped that yes, moniker on Devonta yes. Smith. So that's a little cheesy as far yeah. as I'm concerned. But, you know, I love the kid, and we keep hearing about his skinny legs and how can he play at that size in an football. Some guys just defy the size equals what you're going to be able to do on the football field. With Antonio Brown, who was height with uh, De- Devonta Smith, I think it's going to be weight. I think this kid is going to be a stone-cold stud and, yes, jump right into the deep end of the pool as a top-20 wide receiver in his rookie year in the National Football League. I believe this since he was at Miami, uh, since he was at Alabama. His junior year, not his senior year when he won the Heisman, his junior year I was calling him the best wide receiver at Alabama, so I'm probably a little bit biased. How much <laughs> are you on the Devonta Smith uh, train? coming? You can't into help the- it. You can't help it. You, you know, I mean, his his, his- – his college results, you know, they, they knew he was going to get the ball. You know, Waddle went down. They knew he was going to get the ball. There was no way around it. He and they game planned him enough that he was able to go out and win the Heisman, have as many catches as he had because he's good enough. You know, one thing that, you know, we, we, we don't talk about these days, but we used to talk about a year or two ago um, <laughs> when Nelson Aguilar was on the team, when a lot of guys, there were so many drop balls that we would talk about two years ago. You know, even you know that this kid here, you don't have to worry about. It. He's gonna catch the ball. He is a hands catcher, and that is something that you know we're just taking for granted from this kid. He will catch the ball. He will keep the chains moving. He may not be a blazer, but he's fast enough to make big plays. Smith is gonna be a guy that's gonna keep the chains moving. We haven't had that in a while. It used to be that you know you look at receivers, you just want a big plays. No, I want a receiver that's gonna be consistently enough to consistent enough to go out there and keep the chains moving, keep the offense going. He's gonna need um Hertz is gonna need a safety blanket. And I see this kid as being the guy that's gonna be his safety blanket. He's gonna be able to go out there and execute the offense, whether it's an out route, whether it's a slant route. This kid will go out there and make it happen. He'll run a comeback keep the chains moving, and the offense will be on time. That's what we needed from an offensive player. That's what we need from a number one wide receiver, and he can be that type of receiver. Everybody wants these guys to go you know, break big plays. Every once in a while, you'll get a guy that can do that consistently on an every-game basis. You look at Kansas City's offense, the cheetah, he does that. Well, Smith is not going to be that type of receiver. He's going to be a guy that they're going to rely on, to, to get crucial first downs, uh, to get, you know, touchdowns in the red zones. And that's the big thing that he's going to, you know, he's going to allow them to do. He can run those routes that, you know, there's not a lot of space and still go out there and be a productive guy. But the biggest thing with him, 
he's going to catch the ball consistently. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. uh, that's that's something we haven't talked about, but that's exactly what this kid is going to do. I think there's also going to be a domino effect, Barrett, in that Jalen Rager is going to be more comfortable as a oh, number yeah. two receiver, Travis Fulgham, the domino effect. Those guys will just be more comfortable yep. when they have somebody that like Devontae Smith, who should be a wide receiver one in this league. I believe he's going to be pretty early. I'm with you, but I want to – I want to shift sides of the ball here now with you because we're we're inside of two weeks. First practice, July 28th. Can't wait. Does Barrett Brooks have a case of Tums yet thinking about that secondary on the other side of the football? Still no Steven Nelson, still nothing opposite Darius Slay. How much money have you spent on those Tums yet? I'm 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 already stocking up, man. I, I, I mean, you you can't keep patchworking that defense. You know, I mean, I I don't really know what Gannon's gonna do if he's gonna be able to go out there and execute an offense. Is he gonna be more aggressive and center the blitz? Those are all things that I need to know because at this point, I'm gonna lose sleep over secondaries. Our secondary playing against Dallas, playing against the Giants. You know, uh, playing against Kansas City. Because those are proven wide receivers, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna put up big numbers against these guys. And I mean, I love Avante Maddox. You know, I love those guys. You know, yeah. Um, I, I, I can't see at this point us having the results of of stopping a guy when you know we're talking about later draft picks, later rounds. We don't have a Revis Island. We don't have a guy that we can say, you know, all right, he's going to be opposite a big play slate that's going to stop the number two or maybe even number one receiver for a team. We just don't have it. And until these guys show me, I mean, I'm I'm going to be a wreck, man, on third down. I mean, it's going to mean at least I won't see the picket fence defense anymore, so I won't <laughs> lose as much sleep about that. But, I mean, at this point you're asking guys that that are, you know, they weren't picked that high in the draft to go out there and do a do the job of a guy that's been picked that high in the draft. And to me, that's that's troubling. You know, you had the opportunity to draft high and you didn't. We went out and got offensive alignment. Well, I mean, I, I love offensive alignment, but I think cornerback was something we needed more than a luxury pick of having a guy like you know, Landon Dickerson. You know, to me, that was a luxury pick. We don't have that luxury when the secondary looks the way it looks. You know, Slay is the only cornerback I know that's proven enough to go out there and handle a number one receiver. After that, you know, to me, it's a far cry from, you know, who's going to be the starter then. Of course, they're going to play big nickel with three safeties in the game. All right, but this still doesn't change the fact that somebody's going to have to handle a guy that's, you know, going to be, you know, opposite of Slay, wide out there, one-on-one, you know, mm-hmm. and it's going to be tough, man. So, yes, I've, I've already stocked in. Um, Amazon's going to deliver my package of Tums in about three more <laughs> weeks, you know what I'm saying, right on time, you know, before the first preseason game. We'll start off with the first preseason game. But, yeah, man, I'm going to lose sleep over this, seriously. If you order from Amazon, you get a big-ass thing of Tums. Right. You, know, I got some little pack. you get a big-ass <laughs> thing of Tums. Uh, and since Barrett brought his name up, let me note that Landon Dickerson, still not signed. Doesn't bother anybody else but me, but that's okay. We'll move <laughs> on from that. He'll be here July 27th. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm just noting. Um, let me know that they think he's going to be a starter, that, that his agent and, and himself thinks he's going to be starter later on, so. They just don't Man. want any offset money, Barrett. They don't well, want that's... any offset money. That's <laughs> well, what they're arguing about. No they, question. No question. Arguing slash negotiating slash it's not done yet. That's all I'm saying. All right. right. Uh, back to Barrett, your <laughs> offensive line uh, status. 
something that John and I uh, disagreed slightly with uh, when we were talking earlier in the week. The so near stack, the close play, the hurry, which somehow became an official stat in the NFL. Uh, we don't even know what. I don't is even it, know if it is an official. Is stat. it combined? Is it compiled by the NFL or the home team or whatever? Did you, while you were playing, ever get reamed out on the sideline by either your quarterback and or your offensive line coach because you allowed a player to get a hurry against you? What's oh, the word absolutely. hurry even around when you were playing Barrett? That's my knock on uh, Derek Barnett. I, I, I'm, I'm, sure I'm afraid. Stats. Yeah, I'm afraid that the Eagles are going to give him a contract extension, and a year from now we're going to go, "What the hell was Howie Roseman thinking by extending him?" He doesn't make, he doesn't get sacks. I like and I know that. hurries are nice, but sacks are what actually should get you paid. You should Did be you ripping BG then. BG's not the finisher. He's not, <laughs> he's the guy who doesn't finish, and he's a great player. Well, you know what? Let me let me tell you this, man. I mean, I'm gonna give you a perfect story. Um, I was playing against Dallas and they had Charles Haley and I'm battling with him every single play and I'm having a great game against him. Well, I thought I was having a great game against him when halfway through the third quarter, Rodney P comes to me and say, Hey man, keep him off my back. I said, what are you talking about? I'm blocking the heck out of him. You know, I'm pinning him at the, off line, at the line of scrimmage. I'm doing all that stuff. But every once in a while, just before he throw the, he throw the ball. And then as he walking back, as I made him run the hump around, he come up and um, tap right on the shoulder and say, hey, man, I almost had you right there. Even though he didn't, he put that little mindset in Pete's, um, in Pete's head. So after the game, you know, even though, you know, I knew I, he wasn't close, I knew I had a great game, Rodney Pete said, hey, man, let me tell you what he was doing. What he was doing, he was trying to set in my head that he was right there. So that's why he come over and tap me on the butt or tap me on the toe. I was almost there to get me thinking and start seeing ghosts. And, you know, I thought about it. I was like, you know what? That's absolutely right. So then I stopped letting guys do that. You know what I mean? I stopped that. So those shoulda, coulda, wouldas kind of equate to, you know, in a, in a quarterback's mind, all right, he was almost there. It may not have, you know, it may not be on the stat sheet, but those are the type of things that I, you know, learned as an, an NFL pro that, you know, veteran defensive linemen do. Charles Haney was the master at it. Leslie O'Neill did it. You know I mean? Those are little things that you can do. So those shoulda, coulda, wouldas. They kind of affect the quarterback a little bit. Even they might not be on the stat board, or they they didn't they didn't keep that stat back then. But still, you know, <clears throat> he did that to just show me that all right, you know, this is what this guy's trying to do, trying to get in my head. Even though I knew he wasn't there, that's what he's trying to do to you. So yeah, they mean they mean something a little bit. BG's uh, great at it as well. He's always in the head of the opposing uh, offensive lineman, but. I just bring up the NFC Championship game. Jody has heard me say this. Chris Long, to me, that changed the entire no question of the game. He didn't get home. Yep. It was a hurry. <laughs> if he gets home, Barrett, and sacks Case Keenum, who knows what happens? But maybe they, they punt. They, they punt the football, <laughs> and the game, it's a completely – Jim Schwartz always said games have personalities. Games have personalities. That is the first time – you've probably seen it before as a player – that is the first time I literally saw a team. It was like Indiana Jones. They took the Vikings' heart out of their chest on that one play. If he sacks them, it's a punt, and I don't know what happens. It, right, it, it changes the entire complexion of the game. And they were that, pretty good on offense. They were they were consistent on offense, you know. So yeah, they were know. they were up seven nothing, and they were moving the football again. Yeah. So who knows? 
if, if it's just in a sack, uh, I'm not saying sacks are always good. By definition, they can't be bad. But hurries are important as well. They're, I, I mean, you can make the quarterback do a lot of bad things by getting him off the spot, by hitting his arm, all those types of things. That's where Jody and I disagree. As an offensive lineman, you got to be worried about hurries, don't you? All the time, all the time, because you're still going to get reamed going from the sideline. You know, I mean, that, I mean, that's the nature of what it is. You know, Bill Callahan, my rookie year, he was always in my butt about, all right, man, he, he almost got there. I mean, he touched the quarterback there. Um, um, uh, Rodney, Rodney said, Rodney said he's almost there. I'm like, no, he's not. You know, but those are little things. You know, that defensive players do and. It's a stat now, okay, but what about, you know, offensive line? Give us a little bit, you know, just because mm-hmm. I – well, how come there's no – oh, it's almost a flat back. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't well, get those type of <laughs> You could have – you know, as an offensive lineman, you could have 65 plays in a game. 62 of them might be great. Three of them might be bad. Yep. And then people are talking about the three bad ones. That, that you guys aren't quite up against it as cornerback, but you guys are up against it because – by definition, you win more than you lose. Even the worst offensive lineman in this game wins more than he loses. But exactly. you give up three sacks in a game, you don't look good. Well, look, um, I can remember playing against uh, Mr. White. You guys can call him Reggie White, but it was Mr. White to me. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm battling him all day. You know, he said, he's telling me, hey, Brooks, you're having a great game right now, man. It's hard for me to do anything. So, you know, it was the, I think it was the 10-9 game. Long story long, we turn around. He said, hey, uh, Brooksy, um, I got to go hard now, okay? So get ready. I got to go hard now. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, I am sweating. I've given every <laughs> ounce of what I had as a player. And a sack and a half later, they, you know, they get the ball back. They drive down, kick the field goal, and they win 10 to 9, you know. But I can remember, you know, him saying, oh, I'm going to go hard now. I'm like, what? What do you mean you're going to go hard now? <laughs> Here I am fighting for my life. I've given everything. You know what I'm saying? I've never slept so good after a game because, I mean, it was a battle, battle, battle. But, you know, I mean, it, it, those little things like that I can remember, man. You know, I mean, just like, you know, right in front of me, like, I cannot believe he just said, I'm going to go hard now. <laughs> Barrett, last one for me. Um, we're less than two weeks away from the opening of camp now. They had the off-season workouts, all voluntary, no mandatory uh, for the Eagles, but camp will get underway here shortly, and it is Nick Series on his first time to actually run a camp. Did you play for a first-time coach? Did you ever have a season start with a guy who had never been a coach before in the National Football League? And how much is someone like that Basically analyze day in and day out. Idiots like John McMullen and Jordan McDonald are going to do it on Bridge 365, but I'm worried more about his players. He's gotten some good uh, reaction from the likes of Lane Johnson and Kelsey, and he, he seems to be winning the guys over, but it's an ongoing evaluative thing. You ever uh, play for a coach like that? And how much did you have the feel of, Damn, this guy's being scrutinized with everything he does. You know what? I, I didn't have it with a with a head coach, but I did, you know, start my career out with Bill Callahan. He was the offensive line coach in Wisconsin for all those years. And he was a he was a rookie offensive um, line coach in the NFL. So he couldn't approach, you know, and this is a big thing that Sirianni's gonna have to work through. He couldn't approach the older guys the way he would necessarily, you know, approach me. So we'd be in meetings 
and he'd be cussing me out about something the left guard was doing. I'm like, yo, I play left tackle. Why are you cussing me about cussing me out about what Guy Mack is doing? Well, that's his approach to trying to get Guy Mack, you know, to to you were a whipping boy, is what you are. You are a rookie whipping boy. Exactly, exactly. So he was yelling me about what Guy Mack was supposed to do. And that was his way of getting the message to Guy Mack, but he had to go through me because the respect factor. So I like I mean, like I said, that yeah. is it's, it's one of those things where you know I, I think Sirianni is going to be all right if he goes about it and he does those three things: show the, show that he cares about these guys, make sure these guys know that um, he can make them better, and then also, you know, can he keep it one hundred with these guys? Don't lie to them, yeah. coach them up real good, and let them know that he cares for them. He'll do all right in this league. Last one from me, Barrett, and watch Barrett uh, this afternoon with Aton and Harry uh, on the middle of the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We are less than two weeks to training camp. Give me one young player you're most looking forward to, but I'm taking Devontae Smith off the table because that's too obvious. Who do you <laughs> want to see? Could be a rookie, could be a young player that's already been here. Who do you want to see if they can take that step forward? You know, I'm, I'm really anxious to see what happens at the left tackle position. Because there's so much money tied in with it and could potentially be tied in with it, you know, it's, it's going to be a battle, man. And, and and looking at, you know, what they have there, I still look at the roster. It, it has Andre Diller as a starter. And, you know, you can't take away from what Jordan Malad did. He played so good um, when he did start to play that, you know, you, you got to pencil him in as a guy that's going to be a starter. But yet, you know, Jordan, I mean, uh, Andre Dillard was a first-round draft choice. So he's going to get the benefit of the doubt. And he's going to have a chance to lose it. But I just don't think it's fair. to. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Jordan Malata is going to be on the second team, you know, simply because the guy's in the first round. I think he's proven himself as being a uh, starting left tackle in this league. But they're going to have to pay this guy a lot of money. And that's a lot less money to pay Dillard than it'll be Jordan Malata. I, I lied. I got one more question for you because uh, we got you here on the show. I looked for you this morning. You weren't there. So I got to ask, Professor Barrett Brooks, was that your idea or somebody else's? That was who, my who, idea, man. I've been it trying was? to get, Yeah, You I was, said mm. you are, I'm taking that on? I'm the professor? Yes, I, I, I've been trying to do that for years. I'm, I'm going to get some breakdowns also. So NBC is start. They're going to start allowing me to break things down. I'm going to break down Big Nickel and how you can run, uh, you know, two man out of it or you can run cover three out of it, you know, and keep that safety in the box with two linebackers because we don't have a lot of great linebackers. We got two guys that are going to do pretty good, so we're going to have to use a safety a lot more. I'm going to, I'm going to get into all those different dynamics of 
what I see on the field and what I watch on the field. I'm going to try to get, you know, get people to see what I'm looking at when I'm watching a game. So right, that's where I'm going to start. If you're going to go professional, you got to get some glasses, buddy. Oh, yeah. oh, there we go. There we go. Put them on. Now there, there there's yeah. Professor Barry Brooks. <laughs> I can't find, but I don't have him. I don't that, have him. That doesn't go well when you're sitting in front of a camera. Barry, uh, good stuff, buddy. Appreciate Thanks you. Thanks a lot, guys. Board. Thanks, uh, Barry. Professor, we'll be in touch. Yes, sir. Have a good one, guys. Barry Brooks here with us on uh, Birds 365, as John noted. <laughs> he will be on the middle later today, right here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel with Harry Mays and Aton Shander. All right, we got an, uh, an hour in the books, hour left to play. <laughs> Kim Jones and the NFL Network will join us in hour number two. You should stay right here with us. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com.
Mac and Mac guys, McDonald and McMullen, stick around for another hour on a Football Friday edition of Birds 365. We thank Barrett Brooks for hopping in with us. Johnny uh, Mac, one of the questions I asked Barrett was about play calling and how he dealt with play calling as an offensive lineman in the league. Do you spy whatever you're told and just execute, or do you think that, yeah, what the hell are we doing calling plays? Great story told about guys just ignoring the play coming in from the sideline. Oh, yeah. They were a veteran that said, no, 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 we're not running that. We're going to run this. Um, that's going to be an interesting dynamic on Eagles this year because Nick Sirianni is a first-time play caller. Not only is he a first-time head coach, he's also a first-time play caller because he was a wide receivers coach in San Diego, went to Indianapolis, became the offensive coordinator where – Frank Reich was calling the place. He certainly was in on the meetings all week long and helped to shape the uh, play chart for the uh, game on the upcoming Sunday. But when it was on the line and a play had to be called and the 42nd clock is ticking, it was all on Frank Reich. This year it's going to be all on Nick Sirianni. And, yeah, fans will second-guess him left, right, and middle. No pun intended there. Um yeah. Uh, I got no bloody idea how good a play caller that Nick Sirianni is going to be. He could be the greatest play caller in the history of the National Football League, or he could be a complete loser. We won't know <laughs> until the season starts. And if people think that uh, Nick Sirianni's under Klieg lights now, wait till he starts calling plays. That's when the second guessing will really begin. Yeah, no question. And I always say people don't, I say this all the time, Jody, and it's common sense. And if people really think about it, they're not questioning play calling. They have no idea what, you know, what play call should be, what, and I'm not, there's some people really involved with X's and O's. I'm not criticizing them. The casual fan has no idea. Um, But you're not, you're questioning results. You're not questioning play call. You might have the greatest play call in the world, the Bill Bill Walsh masterpiece, the greatest thing ever created on a, on a whiteboard. And the left guard might miss his tackle and the play blows up and you lose five yards and everybody says, that's an awful play call. Uh, you, people judge results. So yep. the bottom line, you could have a bad play call. And you might have a great player who makes that bad play call into a good play call. So the bottom line is always results. And that's what people are really judging. Now, when you have a big sort of uh, gadget play that works, the Philly special would be the most obvious uh, uh, example in Philadelphia. Then you become a genius right up until you're not a genius. But again, and I love Jonathan Gannon for saying this. God bless him. I, lo- I love JG already. You know, <laughs> he said, go back to his first press conference. He said, everybody runs the same stuff, Jody. Everybody runs the same stuff. And when you, and that's offensively and defensively. So it's all about execution. And I know it's a cliche, but it really is. The good teams execute. The good teams execute. Everybody who is in the position to be a play caller understands the game of football and can call plays and can can do it in a competent fashion. Every once in a while, you have the Bill Walsh's who are legendary behind the scenes. Okay, that's a little bit different. I would all say the modern game of football 
doesn't enable you to have the Bill Walsh's of the world because you don't have the time to practice those things. And that's where the scale back has come. And really, Chip Kelly was at the forefront of this, using tempo and just making sure you're at the line of scrimmage and trying to go a different route and having people line up in the exact same position time after time after time. Zone read, read option. These are really simple plays, Jody. Really simple plays about execution on both sides of the football. I dare say it's not that big of a deal anymore. Your point about people judging results is dead on accurate and amazing how 2020 hindsight can be. It's really easy to be able to determine something after it's already happened. Mm -hmm. But coaches have to do it ahead of time, which is why they get paid the big bucks. And it's just not that easy. And we'll see how Sirianni does. Uh, If the results aren't what they're supposed to be, and the Eagle offense is not off to a quick start, one of the uh, Maine talked about things here in Philadelphia, and yes, I've been taking calls from fans for 30-plus years now. Everyone wants to second-guess run-pass ratio. Oh, yeah. That if you have a good offensive game, oh, it's perfect run-pass ratio. If you have a bad result offensive game, why, why don't we run the ball more? How, why are we throwing the ball? By the way, Jeffrey Lurie's in that category, evidently. Exactly. Now, here's what Nick Sirianni's got to balance. If it goes bad, people are going to he's run, throwing the ball too much. Why aren't we running the ball? Well, this is the NFC East. It's cold weather territory. We need to run it down the opposition's throat. But you have an owner on the other side who's questioning the coach. Now, this is a story that's been told, and we all now start to believe it as fact that Doug Peterson got called into the owner's office and he was uh, kind of berated because he didn't throw the ball enough. In a game in which he beat the Green Bay Packers as an underdog on the road, Jeff Lloyd goes, why don't we throw the ball more often? Mm-hmm. So, yes, you're, you've got uh, the devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other. Nick Sirianni's going to have to find that right balance. Or is he? Does he just have to get guys to execute? No. Because is it a result that matters? It's not the philosophy that he's matters. He's just got to win games. But I'm going to, you know, I because people say I take too many shots at Jeffrey Lurie. I don't. I give him credit. I gave him credit earlier in the show about something else, about giving people second chances. There's consistency with that. And I will also this say this about Jeffrey Lurie and passing the football. He's right. You have to pass the football to be successful in the modern NFL. Um, when you talk about run-pass ratio, it's funny, Jody. It, I, I can, you know, you talk about people can judge 2020 hindsight. Obviously, it's easy to say this was a success afterwards. You're right. That's obvious. But I can tell you, I can make a prediction very confidently. When you're ahead by two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, your run pass ratio is going to be real good. When you're uh, behind two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, it's going to be real bad. It's going to be real pass heavy. That is one of the most overrated stats in in professional football. I always say football isn't a stats-based game to begin with, like baseball. We've had that discussion. Maybe one of the most overrated stats in football as a whole is run-pass ratio. In the modern game, you have to pass to run the ball. It used to be in the old – and we have a lot of old-school people in Philadelphia. I don't know if it's the personality of the city. They love defense. Buddy Ryan ain't coming back. You can't play defense like Buddy Ryan Eagles play defense. They've changed the rules. It's it's a different game. You can't do it like that anymore. You have to pass to run 
Whereas in the past, you had to run the pass. It's the exact opposite now. Agreed with you there. Um, Doug Peterson, when the Eagles, uh, his first regime started here and they went to the Super Bowl and won in year number two, um, he had Frank Reich to lean on. And it has been talked about plenty how big a contributor Frank Reich was to that team and uh, as set sounding board and helping put the game plan together throughout the week. Frank Reich got a lot of credit because Frank Reich left and the Eagles never reachieved that height that they had when they won the Super Bowl. So it had to be Frank Reich. Uh, we weren't in the meetings. We can speculate. We can try and figure it out as best we can. But we don't really know. We just know, again, like you were just saying, the results. The results weren't good enough. That's why, oh, it must have been all Frank Reich. Uh, I think there was, I think Frank Reich was a major contributor. I'm not trying to shortchange how much he did mean to this team. Um Afterwards, those who were the sounding board and the contributors to the Eagle offense didn't get the job done as well. You've got a first-year head coach in um, Nick Sirianni. He's got some guys with a little experience on his staff. And Shane Steichen, of course, is the most important one because he was named the offensive coordinator. If you're not calling plays as the offensive coordinator, how much actually are you doing? How much confidence do you have in the underlings of Nick Sirianni, that they're going to be able to help him out and give him good advice? Uh, I mean, they seem like smart guys. Uh, again, I question experience. I think experience is valuable. Uh, I think having done something, I don't know, I'll ask you this way, Jody. You know, you've been a talk show host for a long time. Were you better day one or were you better year 10 doing a talk show? I'm guessing you're going to say you were better year 10 uh, than you were on the first day of the job. I think experience matters in everything in life. So you have a lot of guys doing things for the first time. Uh, that doesn't mean they can't be good at it, but it does mean they're going to be learning on the job and they're going to get incrementally better. So when you talk about, um, you know, Shane Steichen had a little experience as an offensive coordinator in with the Chargers, didn't call plays there, uh, eventually ended up calling a little bit of plays. So, you know, he's got some of the most experience on this team, at least in his role. Um, it's a very young staff, youngest position coach in the league, Nick Rollis, youngest coordinator in the league, Michael Clay. Uh, we talked about Nick Sirianni just turning forward. 40s, a head coach, never called plays before. There's going to be a learning curve. They might be good at it, but I, but they're going to get better at it. So as long as you understand there's going to be some hiccups along the way, the Eagles tell me the, these guys are all great teachers. If they're great teachers, I think every if they're right, everything will be fine. But I do think there's going to be some some growing pains. Let's put it that way. If those going pains are pretty damn evident on the offensive side of the ball and the Eagles get out slow to an offensive start, um, how much are third parties going to get involved here? And when I say third parties, I think you know who I'm referring to. The general manager mm. and the owner when it comes mm. to play calling. Um, one of the things yeah. we dealt with at the beginning of the week was the Michael Robinson report uh, about, I, you know, I'm hearing things. Nick Sirianni, don't know if everybody's buying into what he's doing. And oh, by the way, Nick Sirianni, puppet boy for Howie Roseman and Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey Laurie. And certainly that has been suggested on here on Birds 365 earlier by some other guests that we've had on. 
how quick can that be the case where uh, they, they, at, at the beginning of the season, everyone's going to go, hey, we hired Nick. We're going to let him do the job. We got faith in him. We think he's going to grow right along and hit the ground running. How quickly will the outer forces from above start influencing Nick Sirianni in this season? Yeah, pretty quickly. Uh, you know, I think one of the reasons Nick is here is they they think they could steer him in the direction they want to steer him in, uh, to put it as nicely. I think Jason Cole is the one on our show who said they're going to run him over, <laughs> which is uh, probably accurate. Uh, if you want to phrase it in a negative fashion, I think one of the reasons Nick Sirianni is here and one of the reasons Josh McDaniels is not here is because they know Josh McDaniels would be more headstrong, would be more uh, unwilling, shall we say, to do everything he's told. I think maybe, and I think Andy Reid is the template, two years, three years down the, down the line, if Nick Sirianni starts to have some success, I think maybe he's uh, uh, able to garner some power, just like Andy Reid did. You know, it's interesting. I forget who we were talking to earlier this week who brought up uh, Doug. might have been Jack McCaffrey. Uh, brought up Doug's uh, draft press conference, his first one, where he was up there and didn't say anything. And I think, and I always joke with Sealski, Mike Sealski, uh, Mike wrote that he looked like a ficus plant. He was just sitting off to the side while everybody else talked. If you go back to the draft press conference, and I said this at the time, I wrote about it at the time, people can see it at, at phillyboys.com. Nick took over that press conference. People forget, they talk about his first press conference, which was bad. We can, we can all stipulate to that. During the press conference with Howie Roseman and Andy Weidel, and it, it's always set up that way with all three and Nick Sirianni, Nick took over. Nick, Nick really wanted to talk, and he was he 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 took over the dais, is how I describe it. And that was a lot different to Doug Peterson. Might mean nothing, Jody, but I think it could give you a window into his personality. If he gets a little bit of success, I I always say the biggest mistake Doug Peterson had is not seizing more power after Super Bowl 52. Doug's just a nice guy, man. He's just going along to get along. He likes everybody. Everybody likes him. Not a lot of backslaps. I I think Nick Sirianni would be different if he had success. I think he might seize more power. We shall see. Rookie head coach, and it all gets underway in less than two weeks. Can Eagles be competitive in the NFC. That's one of the things we're going to talk about with our next guest. She covers the entire National Football League for the NFL Network, but she also is in the Giant camp a lot. She works for WFA and the Giant Station up in New York. Uh, so we'll talk all things NFC East and NFL with our next guest. Kim Jones of the NFL Network going to join us here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. 
Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Jody Mack and John McMullen, your Bird 365 guys here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We are excited on this Football Friday to bring in our next guest. I just had to find a day where they weren't using her insights on good morning football. I found a opening on a Football Friday. Tim Jones from the NFL Network, good enough to join us. Aaron Bird Street for 65. How are you, Kimmy? I'm good, Jody. How are you? Doing well. Good to have you, Kim. Uh, I guess we're going to start with the Giants. That's the team you're closest to. We'll get in, obviously, to some league issues as a whole, but... And I know Jody, my partner here, is not a big Daniel Jones fan, but I want to get your perspective. Obviously, the Giants invested a lot anytime you take a quarterback that high. We talk a lot about Jalen Hurts here in Philadelphia. He's pretty much got one year to prove himself. Do you think this is it for Daniel Jones? He's got to take a big step forward, or the Giants might start looking in a different direction come uh, 2022? I think 
the way the NFL works now, it almost dictates that, you know, come through in your third year or, or we're going to look for your replacement. I will say this about Daniel Jones, and I never hear anyone talk about this. The question with Daniel Jones isn't necessarily about everything that goes into playing quarterback in terms of pocket presence, although there are real questions about that. Obviously, turnovers overall, fumbles in particular, he cleaned that up to some degree last season. But he, the, the biggest question with Daniel Jones is can he win? He's won 30% of his games in his first two years. The Giants are 8-18 eight and 18 in his starts over his first two years. That number has to essentially flip itself at the very least coming into this season, I believe. Did the Giants get Daniel Jones enough weapons to do just that? Because they made the effort. They spent a lot of money on Kenny Holiday. Uh, uh, they they uh, bring in a uh, tight end like Rudolph, who I think can help. They're going to be better just because they've got Saquon Barkley back. Did the Giants have enough weapons to give Jones the chance to flip that one-loss record? They should. They should, Jody. The offensive line is still a question. It's very young. Um Dave Gettleman has, has gone the route of a very young line, uh, and the Giants tell us they like their offensive line better than the rest of us, which explains why they're going with that young line, and we're going to have to see how that goes. Kenny Galladay, you, you know, you have to hope, obviously, if you're the Giants, he stays healthy. Kadarius Toney was their first-round draft pick. He is an explosive weapon. Um, he may help them first and foremost as a punt returner. We'll see about that, but certainly offensively, he should be the kind of weapon that can outquick opponents on the football field. So he could be very helpful. Rudolph um, already as a giant has had a surgery. He says that he'll be ready to go for training camp. Um, and, and then they'll hope that Evan Engram, who um, head coach Joe Judge loves Evan Engram. All of the noise that they would somehow uh, part ways with Evan Engram was never going to happen because Judge likes everything about Evan except for the drop passes. <laughs> clean those up and then the leader on that uh, that offense in terms of skill players remains Sterling Shepard who's been a really good giant for, for a number of years now. Kim you saw Joe Judge up up close obviously as a rookie head coach uh, the Eagles are going to have a rookie head coach in Nick Sirianni it's a big job and you know you've talked to a lot of head coaches over the years I've talked to a lot of head coaches over the years one thing they all say is Man, I didn't know how much non-football stuff I would have to deal with. Uh, how how much more comfortable is Joe Judge? Have have you noticed sort of that that step forward as a second-year coach? And how did he handle the whole rookie season? Yeah, I do think more comfortable for sure. And I also would note, unfortunately for for Philly fans, uh, and I grew up as a as an Eagles fan in York, Pennsylvania, by the way, but. You know, all of the other teams have gone through that first year with the new head coach thing, and they're going to have to go through it this season, uh, perhaps surprisingly a little bit if you go back several months. So um, I, I do think there's something about all of that. I do think with Joe Judge, we saw him relax just a little bit. That's not necessarily in his nature, but just kind of be a little bit more comfortable. Uh, we obviously saw him an awful lot on Zooms. Um, and you can kind of sort of assess someone via Zoom. It's not nearly as easy as you can in person. But, yeah, I think that Joe Judge became more comfortable in the job. I think that his players respect him, which is obviously a big deal as well. Um, I do think that the second year around will be easier, for lack of a better word, simply because he's done it before. I know I've been better always. Second yeah. 
job than I was first. Kimmy, uh, last year, I was impressed with Joe Judge. I thought that he did command the room and that the players seemed to be busted it for him. And I thought for a first year out of the block, never even been a coordinator, he had a damn good year up until week 17, when I thought he got pretty whiny about the Eagles tanking the last game of the season, which <laughs> they did. Oh, they absolutely tanked. I'm not saying he was inaccurate in his analysis of it, but it made it sound like how could this happen to the Giants? They're below 500. If you're going back into the playoffs, I'm sorry, you don't get a pass for that. You don't get in just because somebody else uh, decided to not play hard. So I didn't like uh, the way Judge handled himself week 17. But I did the entire season up until that point. And a big part of it was, yeah, the relationship that he had with his players. Nick Sirianni is getting good reviews from some of his best, best players. Lane Johnson, Travis Kel- uh, uh, Kelsey has come out, Jaden Kelsey, and, and back this guy. First time ever in the locker room, first week. How difficult is that? You've talked to the players uh, over the years that you've been covering the National Football League. Do the players make that bar high? Do they need to be won over by the coach? Or do they have a, well... He's the guy in charge now. I'm going to give him the benefit of doubt. How tough is it for a first-year coach to win the trust of all his players? Judy, I think it's a good question, and I I think there's a mix there because I do think football players are used to being coached, right? And and they're used to being coached in a team concept for the most part. Obviously, they do their training on their own at times or with a select group of players. Uh, You know, the, the quarterback might get his offensive skill players together, that sort of thing. But generally speaking, they're used to A, team concept, and B, being told what to do. And they go through their college careers, however long they stay in their college programs, uh, with that in mind as well. So generally, I think in the NFL, there are players who want to fall in line. Now, we, we know that some say things coaches don't like, do things that coaches don't like, all of that stuff. Of course, that's going to happen. We're human. That's going to happen. But, but I do think football players want to be coached. They have been their whole life in that sport. You know, I, I do think there's a winning people over kind of thing. And I think Joe Judge did that fairly uh, quickly with the New York Giants and the players who had been there because they were coming off in some cases a Ben McAdoo, Pat Shermer, back-to-back coaching hires that were truly disastrous. Mm -hmm. So the players who knew of that were welcoming the change from Joe Judge. They knew that they needed more discipline. They needed that they needed needed to be told where the expectations were in order to become a winning program. The Giants have not yet become a winning program under Joe Judge, but I think enough of the players believe in what he is doing. And then the Giants certainly went out in this free agency and spent to a degree where they brought in what they believe are difference-making players, and we're going to see how that goes. But, um, and I'm sure we'll get to this, or I would guess we'll get to this, and if we don't, I should say it now. The whole offense for the New York Giants, in my opinion, hinges on two things. The offensive line being credible and competent, and we're not going to know that right away. Uh, and if we do know it right away, um, it may be a bad sign. But but we're not going to know that right away. But Saquon Barkley yeah. being and being Saquon Barkley, that is the biggest boost Daniel Jones can get in his third season. That's exactly where I was going, Kim. So I'm glad you brought it up. Saquon Barkley. I don't don't know if this is possible, but it certainly seems this way to me. It's the New York market, obviously, so you wouldn't think. You're talking about a guy immensely talented. You go back to his rookie season, 
forget about the rushing yards. He was about 1,300. I think he had 90 receptions. I mean, Malcolm Jenkins used to talk about that kid like, oof, this, this, this guy's different. Um, and Malcolm's been around for a while, and he's seen a lot of players. I, I, I feel like somehow nobody's talking about Saquon Barkley, and I don't understand it. I mean, this is the guy with the New York Giants. It's not about the free agents. It's not about Daniel Jones. They got to ride Saquon Barkley first and foremost. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. And, and he has to be physically capable to do that, though. And, and I think that that's still um, a work in progress. Listen, Saquon trains incredibly hard. He's rehabbed this knee incredibly hard. But when I refer to his ACL, I always say his ACL plus because he had more damage than, quote unquote, just yeah. the so I, I do think he will be cautious. The Giants will be cautious. I don't know that it's a slam dunk as we sit here today that he'll be ready for the opener. I, I do think he will be back and he will be very effective. Um, and he will be an enormous boost to this team when he's back. I just don't know when we're going to see that. And I can't sit here as we're still in the month of July and tell you absolutely for certain he'll be out there for that opener against Denver. Kimmy, you want to broaden the scope a little bit, uh, take it across the league with you. <laughs> the most discussed story all off season was this Rogers guy in his neighborhood up there in Green Bay. Uh, constant attention day in and day out. And of course, there's no resolution yet. At some point, there needs to be one. When is he going to show up at Packer camp? Never. Day one. Sometime before the first game of the season, give us your best crystal ball as to when Mr. Rogers will get back into his neighborhood in Green Bay. Yeah, and it truly is a crystal ball, Jody, because I've never talked to Aaron Rodgers. I've never interviewed him. And I've never been around him that I can remember. So he's one where I'm not speaking from any personal experience, unlike, say, Saquon, Odell, or the list, Michael Strahan. The list goes on of, of obviously Giants and Jets players where I could speak with some authority from knowing them a little bit. I've, I've said all along, I think it'll be in those first days of training camp. I think he's enjoying watching everyone sweat. I said this on Good Morning Football the other day. What we're learning, what we have learned about Aaron Rodgers, he has something in common with the guy he replaced in Brett Favre. And I loved Brett Favre as a quarterback, uh, as a viewer and lover of, of the NFL. I loved watching him play. But there was drama to Favre. He wanted to make sure he was needed and wanted. And, and, and he was, you know, well, I'll take my ball and, and go to another place or you'll trade me to another place. So, uh, you know, we're learning that, that Aaron Rodgers has a little bit of that in him as well. And Rodgers probably, when, when he joined this league, said, I'm not going to do what that guy did in some respects. And now he's doing exactly what Favre did and obviously both Hall of Famers, so they can probably do whatever they want. But it has struck me that Aaron Rodgers has very much enjoyed sort of the twisting in the wind that his franchise has done this offseason. Uh, Cam, the other big quarterback story around the league is even more uncertainty because of legal allegations and civil allegations with Deshaun Watson. So how much talk has there been at Good Morning Football? And, you know, there's sort of this open secret that the Eagles will have interest if, if interest becomes even possible, but nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's kind of all I think most of us expect he's going to be on the commissioner's exempt list. From the people you've talked to, what have you kind of heard about Deshaun Watson, where that's going to be? Is there just complete uncertainty? 
Yeah, and what strikes me, guys, is it's gone very quiet now for what six weeks or so. It feels like yeah. summer goes quickly, Jody, as you know, uh, and it's hard to remember exactly when things happen. But um, it's gone quiet, and I, I just I would be speculating on that one. I, I don't have um, a lot of inside information there. I've not in, even inquired, to be honest with you. So. Uh, that one I don't have a lot of info for you uh, about. It, it has gone quiet, which I think initially some folks thought, well, maybe there's a resolution in sight, but it, it's just more of it's gone quiet. So I don't really have an answer for you on that one. Kimmy, let me ask you this question about uh, first-time head coaches because you got to experience Judge last year. We're dealing with Siriano now. Uh, the other team said you cover from time to time. Jets, they've got a new head coach too. And most times you hear people talking about Robert Sala and what he's going to do for the Jets. The word culture comes up, that he is going to instill a new culture, that the culture of the Jets has changed. Sometimes that's right on point, and sometimes I feel that term is overused, but sometimes it's underused. Like here in Philadelphia, we don't talk about the culture that is going to be brought by Nick Sirianni. Why is that? Why is it sometimes the change of culture is the most important thing and sometimes change of culture is an afterthought? Um, why do you think that changes from team to team when the coaching changes goes into place? Well, I think it's based on need and the Jets needed to change, period. Uh, whether it's culture, whether it's the Draper <laughs> building, whether it's, you know, the meeting rooms and, and the way players are, are assigned seats. I mean, they need a change. So... And they got it with Robert Sala. I'll tell you this, on in the middle of June, when they were finishing up their, their mandatory mini camp, we had our most recent opportunity via Zoom to talk to Robert Sala. And I asked him, and I couched the question this way by saying, we are going to ask you about a lot of firsts because he's, a, he's not a first time coach, but he certainly is a first time head coach. And I said, how would you characterize your first spring as a head coach in the National Football League. And he went on to talk about Joe Douglas, the GM and his staff. He talked about his own staff. He talked about his players. He never talked about himself. I then saw him on the practice field that day and he came over and briefly greeted members of the media, myself included. And when he came over to me, I said, I asked you a question particularly about you today. And you talked about everyone but you. And he said, it's not about me. And he pointed to the field behind him and said, it's all about these guys. And I think with Robert Sala, you're seeing someone who has a great appreciation, I have to believe, of who he is. He's a motivator. Players want to play for him. <clears throat> Francisco, we've seen that beyond. We now are seeing that with the Jets. And yet he comes across guys as completely egoless which is not always that common in the NFL or in really any professional sports when you look at the coaches. So I find him to be intriguing. And I have said this publicly several times, he and Joe Douglas have already done what the Jets haven't had since Tannenbaum, Tannenbaum Rex all those years ago. And that is a front office and a coaching staff led by the head coach who are tied at the hip and who are in concert with each other and not trying to work, you know, by butting heads with each other. That's incredibly important in the NFL. Um, and I give Sala and Douglas, who hired Sala with Christopher Johnson, I, I give them a lot of credit for finding that already. 
because the Jets haven't had it in a long time. Uh, you mentioned Joe Douglas there a couple times, Kim. Yep. I have tremendous respect for Joe from his time here in Philadelphia. I think he's a, a great personnel evaluator. Obviously, he came into a very difficult position with Adam Gase and Sam Darnold, who he didn't pick. Now he's got the guys in place he wants and Robert Sala and Zach Wilson. It's the clock start now for Joe Douglas. How much is, is the honeymoon over? Is it got to be moving in the right direction for the New York Jets? Yeah, that's a great question and a great way to, to phrase all of that. Um, this is it now. Joe Douglas now does have his folks in place. Um, we're going to see a rookie quarterback who, let's face it, is going to struggle at times. He also has um, some potential that the Jets obviously love. They wouldn't have picked it the second overall without seeing all of that potential. But he's going to struggle at times. But one thing we've already learned about Zach Wilson is he's a film junkie. He came to the Jets with that reputation from BYU. He's living up to that reputation. He seems to be all about football. Uh, you, you know, you hear that a lot about players. Coaches obviously love the player who's like that. He's not going to be, you know, distracted in his free time and that sort of thing, or at least does not appear to be that kind of a guy. And they have a lot of new pieces around him. I will say this, because I'm going to say this every time I'm asked about the Jets until I'm proven otherwise. Watch Elijah Moore, the, the, the receiver from Old Miss. He and Zach Wilson already had in the practices and mini camps I saw a connection, and, and there's something about the way Moore catches a football. He is that almost go-go gadget. What is it? What was it? The go-go gadget. Go-go gadget. Yeah. yeah. The guy with has that ability to extend and very quickly snatch the ball. I saw that in every practice from the rookie, and, and it's going to be very interesting to see him this season. Jimmy, I want you to take on the return of the fans for the 2021 <laughs> season. Last year, none of us knew when the season got underway what it was going to be like playing in mostly empty stadiums, minimal amount of fans let in in most of the stadiums. I did not think the uh, level of play last year was bad. I thought it was very comparable with previous seasons. It was weird, but the quality of play was good. This year, now that uh, fans are going to be back in the stands, everyone's speculating, oh, the quality play is going to be increased. It's going to be great. The players are going to be psyched because they're going to hear the adulation from the fans. If we didn't see that much of a drop-off in the quality of play when nobody was there, should we expect a huge step up in the quality of play just because we're getting the fans back? That seems a little counterintuitive to me. And I kind of got used to the occasional Tuesday and Wednesday game, right? I was <laughs> in the middle of that pandemic and watch some football in your living room. Um, yeah, I do think you're going to see a step up. For example, the, the Giants are not opening training camp practices to fans. They are having what they're calling a fan fest at the stadium. They're saying 50,000 is the capacity for that, and the tickets are gone. The Jets are having fans at their facility for training camp. Those tickets also gone for however many sessions they're opening uh, to fans. So I think there's excitement from the fan level. I know there's excitement from the, the club level. I, I will tell you this. The one time I saw the lack of fans affect a game was when Tampa Bay was at the Giants, MetLife Stadium, somewhere in the middle of the season. Uh, I can't remember exactly which week. And Tampa Bay was sleepwalking. And, and I asked Jason Pierre-Paul, who I've known forever and who was actually a good friend of mine, I asked him after the game, I said, what was going on there? He said, 
there was no atmosphere and you know some of those defensive guys in particular as you two know play off that so much and you know it's not a great excuse by the way that Tampa Bay lost that game but sitting in that stadium that day in the press box I felt that as I was watching that game you know we're not going to have that anymore thank goodness or at least we don't think so and I think that's a really good thing it's a great thing all around it's a great thing all around and when people have asked me you know, here and there, occasionally on an interview, but just even just in life have asked me about the getting back to normalcy, which, I, you know, obviously I hope we're still on that path. And I believe we are. I said, when football stadiums are full this fall, we're going to be back to normalcy. And, and, and NFL stadiums are, are all allowed to capacity. I have to believe an awful lot of college stadiums are. And I stand by that. I think that that's going to be a, a great sight for all of us and great listening to the crowd for all of us because I think we did miss that. I don't think it gives teams building excuses, Jody, but I did think that we missed that. Uh, Kim, last one from me because you brought up the Super Bowl champions and and one of their low points of the season, but I want to talk about their high points and I want to talk about Tom Brady because Tom is going to be 44 early next month. 44 years old. Now, he won his seventh Super Bowl title in his first year in Tampa Bay. Now, we also find out, oh, by the way, he had a torn MCL. Are we all just kidding ourselves? Are we all just going through the motions and Tom's going to be there with number eight at 44 years old? Or when, and I know this is speculation, but Kim, father time catches us all. What the hell is he doing with Tom Brady? What is going on with this guy? What is his method, the TB12 method? TB12, yeah. I, when I used to be in New England, before NFL Network hired Mike Giardi, who does a great job for us, and he's based in New England, yeah. I used to go to New England a lot. The Jets and Giants weren't keeping me home. The Bills weren't these Bills yet. So I was in New England a lot, and there is a TB12 method store in that Patriots Place complex. I should have gone there a long time <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to explain him. I, you know, he's, he's a winner, obviously, at the ultimate level. And I mean that beyond the number of Super Bowls and everything. I don't know how to explain it. I'm not sure anyone knows how to explain it. <laughs> Kimmy, uh, as you mentioned this year, getting back out on the road, full stadiums and the like. Is there one place you, you stick to the Northeast, do a lot of Jets, Giants, as you mentioned, up to New England, come down to Turnpike to go Philadelphia. If you get a road assignment this year. Anywhere you specifically want to go, a team or maybe even a stadium, because we got some brand new stadiums in the National Football League opened up in the last year or two, Vegas, Los Angeles, like anything you'd be uh, volunteering for, for a potential road trip for Kim Jones this year. Well, I I just actually got my first assignment yesterday. It is Buffalo, uh, July, I think, 29th to 31st. The 31st NFL Network is going to have coverage at every single training camp all three going to be bananas in a very good way and i'll be at the bills for that i'm really excited i haven't seen the bills this off season i covered an awful lot of their games last year because they're really really good uh, and they advanced so far in the playoffs but um listen i'm cool with what i've got jody um i get to see the bills get to see the jets giants i'm more than happy to go to the washington football team um, and, and, and the Eagles. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't hear Eagles. Oh, we, have a couple, <laughs> we have a couple reporters, Mike Garofolo included, yeah, who are yeah. very close to the Eagles. So sometimes I end up in Washington, he's in Philly, that kind of thing. But I'm more than happy to, to kind of stick to my little corridor here. 
Um, I'm hoping to see the, the Giants with their um, practices during training camp at Cleveland. I've asked to do that. I, I was preliminarily told yes, so we'll see how that goes. But lots of teams doing that, that you know, uh, practicing against another team kind of thing. Uh, that's interesting to me coming in back into this much more normal times that, that so many coaches seem to be taking advantage of that. And those are always fun to watch. They're always fun to watch. Yeah, everyone said forever, we got to play less preseason games. Well, they cut preseason games, so they uh, schedule scrimmages instead. Right. They like the work. They just don't want to make it an official game. And, Kimmy, if you're going to Buffalo in a J month, Better doing it in July than January. Yes. So be thankful that you're going to <laughs> Buffalo. You might be back there in January too, but July, Buffalo's not a bad place to be. Jimmy, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. We'll tap into you from time to time when we got closer to the season. Thanks for hopping on Birds 365. Thanks, guys, very much. That is Kim Jones. Does a great job covering the uh, National Football League for the NFL Network. And, uh, yeah, she's been a New York slash Philly. She told you she's a York yeah. PA girl. I told her Polo. Eagles and Garofolo. But Kim, I've seen Kim at the Eagles uh, occasionally. Uh, but, yeah, it's more it's more Mike. And there's a reason for that, by the way. Yeah, he's got uh, pretty good contacts here. But uh, Kimmy gave us some good insight on the Giants and the National Football League in general. We thank her much for hopping aboard. All right, back and back. McMullen and McMullen coming back. I think we'll put a bow on the show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of Life. First Trust Bank is there for you. 
Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at goarmy.com. He is John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald with the Mac America. Guys, I'm Birds 365. Uh, closing out not only a show, but a week. Thanks for hopping aboard, and we'll be right back at it again here <clears> next <throat> week. All right, John, two things before we say adieu. Um, one of which you know I'm going to ask you about because I ask you about every day. Uh, and the other of which I bet you haven't even begun to think about this mm. topic. And I'll tell you why I came to it. Um you and I booked the show together. You do more of the heavy lifting than I do. I pitch in and get a buddy of mine every once in a while. Um, but I have to do it for my other shows as well. And I'll be on CBS Sports Radio this weekend. And in talking to my producer last night, he suggested, why don't we get somebody on to talk about the Olympics? So I said, all right, well, who are we going to get on? So your mind starts to work in a certain way. Are you and I ever going to see in our lifetime football in the Olympics? No, no. No. Football is an, a uniquely American sport. Well, we have football, soccer, but uh, yeah, everywhere no, no, else goes. No, 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 no. Well, soccer. everybody else it's in the like world. People saying you must call it the Open this week. Forever was the British Open, and then they got all hoity-toity about it and said, oh, no, no, no you no. must call but it the they, Open. In other words, they called soccer football, F-U-T-B-O-L, obviously, long before uh, football. But the point is, nobody else plays the game, Jody. So how could it be in the Olympics? I mean, there are some now they're trying to grow the sport in Europe. There are some low-level European leagues. It's slow, but like, you know, hockey, everybody, a lot of countries play hockey. A lot of countries play basketball. Even baseball, I mean, for a reason, not a lot of countries play baseball. And then it became big in Latin America, obviously, and Central America. But nobody plays football, and, and nobody plays at a high level. You know, for years we were so dominant in basketball, but the world caught up. Now we can't win exhibition games <laughs> against Nigeria. So that's what kind of – we're not going down that route with football. And by the way, I've always said the NFL has these grandiose, like we want to get big in Europe, and obviously they have the games in London, and they're trying the old World League. People remember that. Certainly you do. You know, China is a market everybody wants to open because there's so much money. I, I've always told this to people at Parkhead. Nobody understands your game. I, I've always argued this over. Now, we're indoctrinated early, Jody. We grow up in America. This is America's pastime now. It's not baseball. It's football. And people are indoctrinated to the game. They learn it from an early age. If you bring this game to somebody who's never watched it, they're like, A, it's boring. They don't understand what's going on. The rules are so overly legislated, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. It is a uniquely American sport. Fair enough. But as you just noted, 
Nigeria just beat the U.S. in basketball. So how far away are we from when yeah. the Jamaican football team? You and I are not going to be USA here. The USA football team in the Olympics. You and I are not going to be here. Let's put it that way. Probably not, but I just yeah. wanted to ask anyway. All right. Uh, and the other question is, and yes, we do this every day. And you had a great answer the other day. I gave you the three rundown questions. And you said 0%, 0%, 0%. Uh, We're getting closer now. We're getting closer. I forget how close we are. Howie's got to be. Howie's back at work. You never know. Something might happen. CB2, uh, will they acquire another cornerback? Will Zach Ertz become an ex-Eagle? And will Landon Dickerson get signed? Those are the three questions. And I said, chances are before we come back that that's going to happen. You said zero, zero, and zero. All right. Uh, taking zero off the table, one of them has to move at least a tick of a percentage. Which of the three is more likely by the time we get back here on Birds 365? Well, by the way, Monday? I think they're all moving a tick by day. We're getting close enough to now where something could happen. Ultimately, I think all what uh, all three things, two of the three things are going to happen by July 27th, probably within 48 hours of July 27th. But I'm going to go up to... 10% something happens. As of right now, what's most likely to happen is Steven Nelson over the weekend. It's not going to happen. But Landon Dickerson will be signed right before camp, maybe the day maybe the day of the first practice. Um, and uh, Jack Ertz, look, I think they're going to wait. They're going to wait for an injury, or they're hopefully going to wait for an injury. That's their mindset. So That's if what you I were, think they're thinking. Sorry to interrupt. So if you were to put them in order – uh, you think all three are eventually going to happen, but the order that they're most likely to happen in would be what, what, what? Signing a cornerback first, uh, veteran quarterback, corner. Um, Landon Dickerson will be signed for the first practice, and I think Zach Ertz will be here until August, somewhere in August, as the Eagles wait and wait and wait and wait and hope for an injury which is a horrible thing to do if you think about it, but that's the life of the NFL. I mean, it's just real realistic. It is, and uh, the wait continues. You're going to have to wait another two days before you get more of the Mac and Mac guys back here on Birds 365. Jay Mac, have yourself a good weekend, buddy. You too, Jody. Don't work too hard. Get the Olympics guy. Yeah, Talk about they, football in the Olympics. The that's exactly – that might be my first – no, I don't know if I'll get to that question. Yeah. It's specifically for you. That's a John McMullen question. Yeah. I don't know if I'll ask it of anybody else. But thank you guys for tuning in today. We will be back here Monday on Birds 365. If, if you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Welcome to Prime Video's Culture Rated Collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.